Hello, welcome to another edition of Chopped Greens. I'm your host, Philip Amaran, and I very much need to get to the elephant that is in the room that you cannot see because this is a podcast. But I can see it, and it strikes me and slaps me like a rotten fish in my face. Gary Boucher, you are clean-shaven, my friend. The first time in five years, about. I, okay, yeah. Me, yeah, yeah, okay, so let me pull back the curtain here. Yeah. So... A couple of weeks ago, we, we recorded, and then the next week was the Super Bowl. So because of many reasons, both of your enjoyment and my non-enjoyment of how that turned out to be, I we, we just postponed till the next week. So come the next week, and and all of a sudden, you're, you're telling me, hey, man, I'm, I'm not feeling so hot. So I'm like, bro, especially in this current climate that we're going at, let's take another week off. Let's punt. It's, it's no big deal. We're not, you know, we don't have any... Any advertisers to adhere to? We don't have to give Jersey Mike's yeah. back like a free sub that they gave us for for some commercials. Nothing, nothing. So I was like, let's kick it back. Is did you get to like some sort of hay fever to where you are now? You just started shaving, and then once you woke up the next day, <laughs> like you were missing a patch. So you're like, well, now I got to shave the whole thing off. I mean, I, I I'm just so unused to seeing you without a beard. I don't know what happened. I so he, here's the thing. I just you know I, I i work from home and i was like nobody really has to see me except for how you and i see each other right now yeah. o- over a camera students or my coworkers right so i was like let's have some fun i'm going to grow up back before i actually have to go out and be a human again so i shaved off everything except for a little little patch on my chin yeah okay l- little like like rocker patch and <laughs> hated that but i was like who cares man i'm going to try this for a few days and instead of letting the rest grow out I just said, screw it. And yeah, I shaved my entire face. And I tell you, I, I do hate it. But it is it's, it is nice to just be like, this is what I look like, you know? Yeah, um, remind yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gained some weight. So I'm like, look at your chin. Look at it. Look at it. You know? <laughs> look um, at what remains of your chin. Your, your reaction has been pretty typical. All my coworkers, my girlfriend, my family, everyone was like, what? Uh, what? Well, the one I'm most interested in, if you can share, your girlfriend. Did she? Was she? Did she hate you? Did she slap you, silly? Did she? <laughs> did she not enjoy it, or she's like, oh, babe, it's, it's your choice. It's your chin, your choice. Go ahead. She is so nice that she was like, oh, you look so handsome. I I've never seen you without a beard. I'm sure it was shocking because. Honestly, having just a little shadow on on the chin makes your jawline stronger. So I know that I look sure. different, you know. And I, she's so nice, but for real, I I know that she was probably a little bit shocked. I mean, when we started dating, I had a beard down to the upper clavicle area, yeah. you know. And um, she made me shave that to a short length, and that's kind of what it's been ever since. So I don't know what her real thoughts are. She'll never tell me because she knows I'm self conscious. But yeah. I know what my thoughts were, and everyone else's. Yeah. My mom's. For, oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. Oh and yeah. For me, it's it's a weird sensation to see you with long hair and no, no facial hair. beard. Because I yeah. I've seen the the inverse. I've seen you with short hair and a beard. I've yeah. seen you with short hair. I've seen you with short hair. I don't think I've ever seen you in except for uh, a, a very fast minute when you were in junior high, without <laughs> any form of facial hair. But besides that, I feel like yeah. you've always I've tried. Had a You've always had a little bit, even if it's I've a tried. wisp. <laughs> yeah, you you always tried. It's just whether or not you you yeah. succeeded or not was the was I the couldn't real realistically issue. go anything until like two three years ago. So right, right but ever right. since I could, I was like, I'm not taking this off. You know, because they used to call me no chin. 
Oh really? Yeah, because I don't have those very, bastards. I, those bastards. Those bastards. I don't have very those strong. Bastardos. I don't have a strong jawline, you know. So in order to make I, it look deeper, I grow a beard. I, I can see. Yeah. I can see how that would work. Uh, and speaking of which, in order to go deeper into your into jawline, we Great have to dig transition. deeper. Great transition. Great transition. Into our film <laughs> this week, a movie called. The Dig. Now, mm. this at the time of us choosing this film was new on Netflix. Now it's 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 a couple weeks old, but if you missed it, I think that there's a good reason why. So here, <laughs> here we go. It's not uh, a dance movie like I thought it was gonna be. No, no, Definitely you were not. expecting a a deep dig on on dance movies or something. Yeah. Yeah, like oh yeah, we're gonna dig. Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna dig. I thought it was something like that, but no, it was an archaeology movie. No, it was. It was an archaeology movie that doesn't really go much more beyond just that, our yep. archaeology. Uh, it, whenever we look at The Dig, it's a British drama film directed by Simon Stone. And it stars, it's hard to say who it stars, just in the sense of it. it's really spread about, uh, spread about pretty I think you can fairly e- equally. Those yeah, two main Ra- people, though. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan and Ralph Fiennes, certainly from point A to, to the end of the film, really lead the entirety of the cinematic journey. And then we've got a a hot scone of a moment with Lily James. I, I don't <laughs> it was a re, it was a weird introduction for her to just uh, just in a in a yeah. meta sense where you're looking and you're saying, Oh my gosh, wait, that's Lily James. Wait, how how long do we have left in this film? Because <laughs> she's fairly she's a fairly big get and you see her about halfway through, if I'm being generous, more it felt more like a third of the way left, and all of a yeah, sudden we we'll just talk have about that. yeah, weird, Lily man. James. Not oh. just the fact that it was Lily James, but the uh, fun of adding a new storyline <laughs> and yeah. just completely deviating away from the protagonist. But I digress. We'll dive into all this. Um, yeah, w- one of the many Netflix one movie a week movies coming out this year. Um, British period drama vibes, music, landscapes, little mansions, countrysides, accents. You know, if you like Downton Abbey, this is a nice little, uh, you know, place for you to go. I I haven't watched a British period drama like this for a while. Um, oh yeah, I no, can't I remember it, the last time I did. I think what I appreciated most about this film was sometimes you need palate cleansers where, yeah. I don't know, I, I feel like we, we watch a fair amount of quality films because you and me have, a, I would think, a, a good eye for talent, a good eye for films, or at least just to know that it's worth watching. Yeah. Every once in a while you get a palate cleanser like Evil Dead that just really makes you really appreciate <laughs> the good stuff. I knew it was but, coming, man. But what this is, this isn't this isn't that on the level of Evil Dead. It, it's weird. I I would still consider it a palate cleanser, but a palate cleanser akin to uh, something like coffee, where yes, it it cleanses the palate of your nose, so that way you can appreciate more perfume. But it's not necessarily a bad smell in and of itself. It it just it's a different flavor. And while yes, coffee is mostly brewed to be enjoyed through drinking. You can somewhat enjoy the smell of coffee. It doesn't last long. It just really disrupts it. It just it, it is what it is. It's for a second you're like, oh, coffee. Not like unless you're a complete coffee addict who then knows that a cup of coffee is in your hand, you're going to enjoy that cup of coffee. Maybe if you really enjoy coffee that much, then you start to salivate and have a full experience of it. Otherwise, you're just like, oh, coffee. Not a not a tremendous smell in my life. I don't want to smell like coffee myself. But it's a it's a fine smell. 
once we get to uh, this this film, so let's let's dive in. It it's a it's man. Uh, so Gary, I think that there are about three different times in this film where I expected it to go somewhere, and it and it it not only didn't, it just <laughs> decided not to really do much. Uh, I really, really, I think if I'm going to start off on a positive note, the music, the cinematography, or excuse me, the cinematography, the music, the soundtrack of this film is quite nice. I actually thought that it carried a lot of the more boring aspects and boring scenes that seemed to pellet this entire film, but the the soundtrack is is quite mystical, quite nice. Uh, it has it holds a good balance of of staying power in an audio format, but also mystifying for trying to elevate the film to some next level that it it in all fairness does not deserve to be in. Yeah, that's um, it's it's one of the strengths, I suppose. I I did notice it, especially towards the end. You know, when it all yeah. sort of starts to come together, I thought it was nice. It didn't um, stick out to me as a super duper strength, but yeah, it's it, it's an asset, I I guess. I think that the the positives for me have to be those two main actors, honestly, okay. and then um, besides that, you know, a few moments in the story. Um, and then the fact that, you know, because it's based on a true story, I was inspired to go read about it afterwards, but otherwise I'd say everything is like a solid six out of 10, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was a, it was a peanut butter sandwich, you know, um, it does the job, but I would have rather have had a pizza. Yeah. Yeah. How's that for a metaphor, man? (laughs) Man, I think I I went on this full on soliloquy. I went down the road. I, I took you into the Ulta. And all that just for you to say, man, it's just a just <laughs> so a plain black cup sandwich. of coffee. Yeah, you just you just simplified <laughs> it. I love that peanut butter sandwich. Absolutely, we should. Um, you, yeah, do, where you know it's coming, but it just it is what it is. You no, know it is. You know that you're gonna maybe maybe enjoy a few bites. You know, but um, otherwise, I think, it's, it's just fine. I think for a film called The Dig, I think I just expected more to be laying underneath the surface than what was presented to us. I think that that's probably what it was. I, it's probably a bit better than what I will take away from it or from what I will remember from it. I think I just expected more. And that's possibly on me more so than the film's fault. However, I think I just expected more of when it's called The Dig, I wanted the <laughs> what's going to be laying underneath to be something more uh, exciting feels insulting to the film, but something more in... in important even might be might be more fair which is funny it's, because all of the pieces are are there for that to happen it just doesn't come together you know it doesn't never, have a payoff yeah it's never fair to compare but there's always going to be a comparison so you know what i think of when i think of this movie now is the imitation game which is one of my more favorite recent period dramas about um the the um, first computer and how they use it to break the nazi code right so you have this individual character kind of an idiosyncratic man with benedict cumberbatch playing um alan or arthur whatever his name is and then ray fines playing basil brown and they both do amazing things that they weren't really given credit for until much later but one movie has subplots that work 
and a ticking clock with the war coming, and it all ties together, like, in one or two scenes at the end. And the other movie has that, but it doesn't use it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel much of a sense of urgency. I felt like Ray Fiennes did a terrific job, as he always does, oh, but yeah. the, the character wasn't written to make him quite interesting. Stand out, yeah. And with a movie like this, I mean, it, it's really trying to explore themes about, you know, death and, like, will you be remembered and where we come from. That's some really heavy stuff, and it's all wrapped up in this main character. But then, like we said, halfway through the movie, we get this subplot that's just weird. <laughs> just, just, just weird. I mean, they, they have this romantic subplot that would be a fine movie in like itself, but it's just strange to introduce it an hour into the movie, and then... Uh, yeah, the, they have the war and Edith's sickness, the Carrie Mulligan character, that could be used as a ticking clock, yet I feel no urgency in the movie. You know, characters constantly say, we have to keep digging because there's a war coming in three weeks, but I don't feel that. They just say it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think three weeks was so far away within the scope of how the entire film was paced. You know when I, I, I realized that this film had a big problem? Was when, was when the guy is the guy from the National uh, Excavation Museum, whatever, whatever the guy is, the guy with the big, humongous nose, and uh, he <laughs> he starts going around, and he's having this epiphany, and all of a sudden it clicked for me when he's going, this changes everything, and I I in my mind realized, oh. Oh, the filmmakers expected this to be a tremendously big moment. This is like the climax of the it, entire film. It didn't hit, and it did not hit whatsoever. I saw it's if somebody was drew an arrow to you, and you're like looking down that that quote unquote barrel, that shaft, I guess, and all of a sudden you see the projectile, the arrow zoom right above your head. They they airball you, and you just look up, and you're saying, oh, I see where the point was going. I see where that it was a thing, that it's a deadly arrow, but it just completely missed the mark and, and what needed to happen here. That's that's what, what went wrong. When that, when that excavation person made that exclamation, I realized that they put so much of a self-importance that they thought that the audience would automatically get just how tremendous this and exciting this dig probably really is but they did not yeah. translate that whatsoever Here's it does not ring through yeah. I, I went and i got more excitement reading from the british museum's website about this dig that's actually like an incredible it's like considered like the greatest archaeological find in british history one of the greatest in the world but you watch wow. this movie do, uh, do, would you know that coming away from it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell me if you know I mean, this, but like they keep talking about treasures or something, and it did not ring through to me. Even which when it's crazy because th there were treasures. You go read about them. There's some really good, like the sword and this golden intricate belt and this helmet with like a face mask on it. But you know, here I'm like, come on, show us, show us some treasures, man. We can't just have British people talk about treasures. That only works on half hour TV. Yeah, the only treasures we found were on Lily James, and her husband would not look at them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was quite sad, and I guess let's explore that since we're already there. It was it felt really weird and really forced that at a at the last third of the film, I want to say last third. In fairness, it probably was around half. It started in the half last point. half, but then like it really like that plot started to take off in the last third of the movie when really all that romantic humbo jumbo would take place in like the beginning third to the 
half point if this was a different movie. You know, it's just weird, weird timing. Weird timing, weird characters to be bringing in all of a sudden because the entire second story that really takes place in the in the in the forefront of the film's second or third act just get introduced so late and well and it takes away from the fact that they have this great actor playing this really interesting main character who I would love to just sit with for the I mean put him and yeah. Carrie he and Carrie Mulligan great in every scene that they have two like heavyweight actors and Ray Fiennes can portray anybody and any emotion right but then yeah they bring in what could be, I think, a good movie of its own. Like, let's say that there's a movie about the Lily James character who she is this underappreciated archaeologist who uh, has a gay husband, so she has an affair with an army man and yada, yada, yada. That that would be a great movie by itself. But th- they shove it in there, and um, it it just feels awkward, and then it totally takes away from what I felt was the main story and fed us this B-plus level weird romance and yeah it, it really watered down the quality of the rest of the film for and, and i honestly don't attribute it to lily james or any of the oh, actors everybody yeah everybody did a fine job with their role given and i was yeah. intrigued it held my interest if nothing I, I i could tell that it wasn't of quality but it certainly did hold my interest of their story and what they were going through but the timing was weird uh the placement was weird and I, I, it was at times distracting from what I wanted to see. As, as boring as the, the main storyline. How about this? How about this? How about I interrupt my, even myself saying this? It felt like you were watching a mental block on screen. Where all of a sudden you could see, oh, once the kid gets returned and he left and he went on that bike to go seek out Basil... And that's probably the last little scrump of of conflict they have left of Basil. Because once he accepts, what do we do with him? Except uncover digging. And we can't just have an hour and a half movie be even less. Or, or two hour movie be less with a less satisfying ending. How do we resolve this? It, you felt like, let's add a storyline. And it was just so sloppy of an add-in that that's why it was particularly jarring even though it didn't feel as diminutive as it might otherwise be. If, if you had lesser parts in acting and acting in the scenes, it would have seemed far worse than it actually comes through on screen, yeah, even though you're actively looks, watching this mental block. All the people look sexy. The, the, the camera work makes the landscape look very sexy. The dialogue is juicy, yada, yada, yada. But, he, he, I mean, here's the thing, like, I think that it could have been either a movie about an archaeological dig with a true ensemble, right? Or you could make it a character study about Basil Brown, which is what the Imitation Game kind of is. But the Imitation Game does so well that it's it's got a great ensemble and it's really about, you know, the the father of, of computers and how he killed the Nazis and also he as a gay man, whatever. He's got this great story. But this movie, does, it starts off as a character Well, not that study. he killed the Nazis, by or the he, way. He, he, he broke the Nazi he, code. Yeah, he broke the <laughs> Nazi code. He, he wasn't actively going <laughs> out there like, mean. bam, dead. You know what I mean. But, yeah. yeah, it starts off as a character study, and then they make it kind of this ensemble movie where, I'm just going to say it again, you have a war, and you have a character who's about to die. Like All the, but all the materials are it. there. I can see why they chose this film at, at its base. It is Incredibly an interesting, interesting story. Incredibly interesting story. 
Like yeah. you have you have some interesting activities when that when he gets buried in that mound, it, it, that came out of nowhere and that was exciting. I thought that that was going to go somewhere. It kind of didn't. That's nothing a great really. Scene. Yeah, nothing really happened with All it, it but it, it was still it, nice. It just made him choose to go dig at the other mound. That yeah. was like his aha moment. <laughs> well, I, I almost died in this mound. I guess I'll go take the other mound. Yeah, yeah. When life buries you, choose another mound. Yeah. That's that's the moral of this story. Yeah. But everything was there. It just didn't. It just didn't punch through like it should have. It should have. The fantastic cast, fantastic story. It's British. We're all suckers for British period dramas. That's like a shoe win for an Oscar. Oh. But this oh, movie yeah. ain't gonna win any Oscars. Yeah. Give me a British accent any day to just describe. Honey, how was your day? Oh, it was nice. Me and Jen, we, we went out to lunch. We ate some sushi. It was a little spicy. Or... Honey, how was your uh, day? Honey, how was your day? Well, it was nice. Me and Jenny, we went out for some sushi. And well, it was really spicy. And when it was really spicy, it gave me a kick in the tide, oh, if you know what so? I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Hey, l- let me ask you. What what type of British accent did Ray Fiennes have? Because it, it, uh, it was a little... It was, it was a little jointed, it was a little huh? Different. It was like... Hello, um, um, all of his Basil W's Bar. were like all drawn out, like Ipswich. It's the thing about yeah, what you're gonna need. I can't do it for less than that. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was, it, it certainly felt old country. Yeah, um, it was not sophisticated to her sophisticated, so it, it certainly created that disparity. That was nice. Oh, can, uh, can I ask you, like, uh, just a weird technical thing that I noticed? Yes. That, you know, it's, it's Maybe never... Maybe we're going to say the same thing. Well, okay. You go first, then. Oh, Because okay. I want to see... I was going to... I wanted to see... Do you Did you have the hardest time understanding that Basil Brown was not single and ready to mingle with the main character? Oh, uh, for me, that was such a problem because when the, the females introduced for the first time, uh, who who turns out to be his wife, I thought it was his sister. I had I thought that this was all building up towards a romantic endeavor between the two main characters and actors, and especially when they were leading up to "Would you have dinner with me?" or something, and it all it all seemed to be going forward to that conclusion. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, his sister visited. I don't understand why she's so downtrodden about him. I mean, his sister came into town. And then later <laughs> on, later on, it's like, oh, oh, no, he's he's married. He's married. He just doesn't like his wife enough to even talk to her and, and for, like, months on end. I yeah. thought that, you know, I, I actually liked that um, the relationship they had with Carrie Mulgan was, like, a, like, like this kind of intellectual. Because obviously the whole thing is, like, his wife knows who he is as a man, but Carrie Mulligan kind of stimulates him intellectually maybe a little bit more, but then he goes back to his wife because she truly knows him. But they could have gone into that way more. They don't have to hook up or whatever, but I thought that he and Carrie Mulligan could have had more scenes because, A, they're great together, and, B, the two characters have a really interesting thing going on. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of chemistry that. there that was unexplored. unexplored that, man. I, yeah, unexplored, and and to a to a detriment of the of the film, they had more chemistry than some of the films I've seen that we have not reviewed recently. Um, that that I I've seen, uh, yeah, you know, being put forth prominently against others. So I I really do miss and wish that they had had put more details to that instead of bringing in Lily James. I I don't know where that came from. But. Yeah. It's it's a big get if for some reason they got Lily James to be in the movie like okay, um no he, he, here's what I was gonna say like yeah what, what were you gonna point something out? in the editing and I don't think it's it's ever good to notice editing unless it's meant to be really noticed like when 
my favorite director, Edgar Wright, does his quick little snap zooms and like a montage, right? right? A montage is or a memento. Yeah, yeah. that's editing. That's film memento. Yeah, yeah, meant to be noticed, but. They used so many J-cuts in this movie. And for the listener, if you don't know what a J-cut is, it's when you see an image on the screen, but it starts playing the audio of the next scene under it. So let's say... Oh my God, yes! Yeah, a, a character yeah. is sitting in silence, and she's alone in a room, and you hear two characters talking, and then it cuts to the next scene, and it's of those two characters talking, but we started to hear their conversation before we actually cut to seeing the scene. This movie does it so much. I and for J cuts are fine; they're like a nice tool. But I was like, oh, why? Wh- why are there so many J cuts in this movie? It, it just was pissing me off. I Isn't even if they'd have kept it to the one storyline of the romantic interest at the last with uh, involving Lily James, if they'd have just kept it to that, I would have been like, oh, it's themed for them. Otherwise, it felt interspurtant and weird, just man. mixed in uh, as if uh, you know you're eating a bag of trail nuts or trail uh, trail mix, and all of a sudden you're just instead of raisins or M and M's or peanuts, every once in a while you find a banana chip where you're just like, mm, oh, no. oh, this I kind of like banana chips, but. It's weird to have. You're not just supposed like to one notice banana the banana chip. chips. No, no, the banana chips. We have chip somehow is gone to food metaphors. I know this podcast, and I think it's working out very well. But oh yeah, but yeah, everybody knows the banana chip in trail like, mix. Everybody gets that. The first time I noticed it was actually when after Carrie Mulligan asked him to dinner, he and his wife were talking, and it was narrating over Carrie Mulligan sitting sadly. And, and they were saying, like, oh, it's so beautiful, but you're going to have to be taken away from it. It seemed like they were talking about Carrie Mulligan, but they were obviously talking about the dig. And then they kept using that device again and again and again to the point where I was like, okay, so you, you do it more to than just transitioning out of scenes, but it doesn't mean anything thematically. So why are you transitioning out of every scene with a J-cut? Yeah, This editor they, just they... got out of film school, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Had they <laughs> had they just stuck to keeping it on one story, perhaps? Had they just stuck to whenever something matters more so and they just want to focus on, on other issues? Well, and the, you, sl- you can, the sloppiness was really up, uh, at, at the forefront. And, and you can have it, but it's like it was always dialogue. Usually Jay cuts are sometimes dialogue or sometimes like you'll see a character sitting down then you'll start to hear like a river and then three seconds later you cut and you see a river, and we had already heard. But it's like when it's dialogue all the time, it kind of takes you out of it. And I was like, "What's, what's the point of this exactly?" And it's really, it's really jarring, especially when yeah. it's dialogue. It's, if it's something, if it's some something else, like you said, like a river, a babbling brook, or what have you, mm-hmm. that at least you're like, oh, you're as you're identifying what that sound is. It finally crescendos into yeah. boom. There's the image. This, whenever it's dialogue, you're then your mind is then interpreting what's being said, specifically deciphering it, even if it is just because that there's a slight accent. You're just on that slow downtrend, trying to implement it into what's being shown to you. Because obviously, if you're doing this, it why is it being shown? And then on top of that, determining whether or not it was a good vehicle to use for that particular moment. Yeah, yeah. In two of the three, it failed. Two of the two of those three separate sectors it failed. So, all right, Gary, anything else you want to go over? Yeah, we've we've kind of taken giant dumps on this movie. I do want to say that although I was never like super duper off to the races with it, where I could have been if there was more of a ticking clock, I I was never bored. It was it's well it's well enough. It's the peanut butter sandwich. Eh. Um, every bite yeah. I was like. Yeah, okay. And and th- there are some scenes and moments that I was a little bit more fluttery, and I thought they were good. Like, for example, the thing where he's buried. 
Yeah, and th- there are some good moments when they do discover stuff, or when she gives him his credit at the end of the movie. But or when he's you know little Robert, who we didn't even talk about the child actor, is is talking to his mom. Um, very cool, very cute. But uh, otherwise, it's it's another. You know, I have a feeling that a lot of the Netflix movies we're gonna watch might be like this, like good but not great. Of uh, of the same quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they always get big actors, but stories can kind of be eh, and. This, to me, was very eh. Um, I'm happy that I watched it because I found out about uh, historical fact, which was interesting, and I like history and archaeology. You heard about Buzzer Brown. But this movie had the potential to be like a, like, like a gimme for, you know, Oscar nominations because it's a British period piece, and it looks like it, it sounds like it, but it doesn't feel like it. No, it really doesn't. Um Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you said. It uh, The only thing I kind of would bristle at is the idea that there wasn't any boring spots there were some boring spots i as bad as the last third implementation of the love story is at least it gave us something intriguing and interesting to watch the middle part when she's dying that's kind of fascinating to see if if and where they take that they eventually don't but there's at least that the first third until we get to the burial spot it does have patches of boringness man i'm not i'm not gonna lie like it, it had had I just come about this film regularly, had no interest in reviewing the film, there's a part of me that might have clicked away. I could see people of lesser stout devoutness uh, to film and cinema and, and the respective creators, and once you click on something, you should kind of stick to it. I could see how people would turn away from it yeah. uh, because of that. So there are patches of boringness in, in this, and, and they can be found rather easily. And... Uh, Honestly, the payoff's not not worth the the squeeze in this one. I honestly don't know if I'd recommend it. So I guess let's let's just go right to that then. Let's go to our our review. Our out of uh, how many burial mounds would you give this? Out of zero burial mounds, it's a clear field. You can farm on this land. To my God, there's so many archaeological sites. Is that is that uh you know is that King Tut's grave over there? You know, and then there's like five other mounds. How zero out of five mounds? How many are you giving it? You know, sadly enough, some movies I don't think are as well made as this, but they stick with me. I don't think this movie is going to stick with me, and I was thinking about giving it three, but I think that I'm going to take and chop off half a burial mound. We're going to start digging, and we're going to say, ah, eh. I'm going to give it a two yeah. and a half, two and a half burial yeah. mounds out of five. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like where Ralph Fiennes was before it like before the whole thing collapsed on him. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. You have convinced... Uh, I've convinced you to go higher this week. You've kind of convinced me to go lower. You know? Yeah. Two and a half I'm going to go... Me. I'm going to... I don't need a halvesy on this one. I'm going to go two. Mm. Uh, it's not... Like I said, it, the quality's underneath. It shows quality, but it, underneath the surface, there's so, not much there. It's a peanut butter uh, sandwich, but you have the store brand bread. Yeah, yeah. or it's extra oily. Extra something. oily. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Grody. yeah not Not too much of a fan. Yeah, yeah. so... We're gonna go with um, we're gonna go with two. It's not really a, a diss on any person that you see or anything that's even seen per se. It's just what's hidden beneath the surface does not rise to the top in a good way. It it should be bury this film, put some palm trees on it, and you know what though, it does belong yeah. on Netflix because if I were to pay money for this movie, I think I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh we're, yeah, we're lucky enough to be watching these for free right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that right now. There's a there's a showing of it and somewhere Shane. near me in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, and I I was like, oh god, I hope nobody no. This yeah. this doesn't deserve to be watched in that format. It it it's 
It's a weird. It it's a weird be, crevice pretty, that it exists. It might be pretty to look at, but otherwise, that's about it. I've got a yeah. nice enough TV. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that is our review for the dig. Uh, next week, uh, we are going to be reviewing Judas and the Black Messiah, the rare film that we are able to successfully give you a heads up on. Sometimes we discuss this off camera. Sometimes we discuss it on on uh, on recording or over cute but th- cute little flirty text messages. That's true. Yeah. We do get pretty flirtatious. Yeah. No need to worry, uh, Gary's girlfriend. It doesn't get anything. It's just a joke. That's all it is. It's just, just a, a joke, joke. Okay. Just a joke. Everyone just has gay I send thoughts, him, Okay. Yeah. Just because I send him a picture of my nipples does not mean it means, it means anything. Nothing. Anyway, now that we're completely off the rails here, uh, for <laughs> uh, podcast emeritus Gary Boucher. I'm Philip Amrain. Thank you so much for listening to Chop Greens. Make sure to listen to the next episode, the subsequent episode uh, concerning Give Me Five, linked to this one. And of course, listen to all of our old stuff. It's in the archive. It's back there. It's pretty. It, it you know, if you put it in Inglorious Bastard, it's gonna light up. It's it's pretty much Tinder. That's all it is. That's right. So make sure to li- listen up and light up your soul. Yeehaw! <laughs>